to another episode of Bits and Bites. Um, today, we actually have a very special guest and actually plays into the theme of Bits and Bites. Uh, we have Emma, Finally. aka... <laughs> I know, right? It took so many episodes to get here. Um, so we have Emma here from uh, aka Vancouver Foodie. Um, Emma, how about you quickly introduce yourself and kind of give us some uh, background of who you are? <laughs> For sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Emma, also known as Vancouver Free. That's like my YouTube intro. Um, but <laughs> uh, but it, what I essentially do is I do content creation for my page, um, mainly on Instagram. I've sort of dabbled into TikTok, uh, now trying to expand into more long form content for YouTube. Uh, but I do all things food and I've tagged on travel when it's possible. Um, but those two are my passions, my loves and all things visual and exciting that's where i'm at <laughs> honestly that sounds like the best job ever combining food travel and then just like social media is all you that's amazing <laughs> living jean's dream don't give her any <laughs> I, actually, like, work, <laughs> I actually did try to dabble a bit into like a food page but i was just like i can't keep this up it's hard actually yeah can you explain more like how did you get into food influencing or just being an influencer for travel and blogging in general like where did it start yeah, it's a funny question because whenever that comes up, I'm always like, where do I even begin? Because it's always like, do I start from the very moment I like signed into Instagram and created that page and made the login? Or, or do I go that whole like, um, how I even my like my childhood and my love for food and how that became, you know, that whole extra <laughs> section before actually logging into that whole social media realm? Because I like to tell people that social media is not the the ends, but mm -hmm. it's actually the means through which you communicate what you love. Um, and I guess to be more practical about it, I started my page back in my grad year of high school going into my first year of university. And um, at that point, my friends, I had my own personal account and I would post be posting naturally food photos. And my friends are like, you're making me way too hungry. Let's just make a <laughs> food account for it. So there's like a designated space. And you know, you have those random conversations where someone throws an idea out to you and you're like, why not? Let's try this out. And ironically, back then the word foodie with an IE spelling was not a trend. So that was made available because everyone's like, how did you get that name without the underscore, without the period, the one, the number? And I was like, it was a matter of time, right? And I had no idea that that was going to be the way it was going to carry on for the X amount of years, right? Me, little bug here, didn't know. <laughs> but I just kind of like uh, did it for fun for four years during my undergrad degree. I studied sociology and minored in law and society at UBC uh, for four, four years. And then I had actually been working part-time at a law firm to kind of potentially pursue law um, because that's what my dad had probably wanted me to do under those four <laughs> options that you have of accounting engineer some science or like, <laughs> or lawyer, like medical doctor, right? <laughs> let me try to, yeah let me just try to choose one that maybe makes sense and like at least try it out in some sort of extent to see if there's something that I want to pursue I do love law and law and justice and that kind of realm but for me when I went to work at that law firm uh, I just got to observe the life of a lawyer and I was like I don't think this is the way I want to be helping people um there is obviously a way that it does help people, but maybe not in the way that I desire to be on the front lines of engaging with people on the daily basis and looking like sociology has taught me to look on the bigger picture where everything plays into account. Whereas, you know, the law system, it's like, let's pick and choose. These are the only things that make sense. And I was like, I want to be just like engaged with people all the time. Um, so that's when this came to the forefront 
uh, you know, in your grad year of university, you're like, what do I do next with my life? Where am I going to have a job? You know, those big, nice questions that you get. <laughs> um, well, at that point, uh, you know, God had placed on my heart. It was like, you know what? This is scary. There's no one ahead of you, but I have been building this, building this thing for the last four years in a very casual hobby like way and you love it. So the fact that this potential industry is going to grow, we have no idea where it's going to go because literally there's like the word influencer was not a thing, which is weird. Like <laughs> people were like, Oh, they're, they're a blogger. They have a blog on a website, like on the internet. Um, and now the word influencer, social media, all ran TikTokers. It's like a weird words that are very new. Um, but back then I didn't have people to look up to or ask, hey, how do I do this? So it was a lot of like unknown for me, but I knew in my heart, like this was a moment I listened to my 80 year old self at the same time, you know, the person on the deathbed being like, this is what, you know, your life, you only have one life to live and you better live it now and like get on that train before it like takes off. Um, and it was also an ode to my, like my younger self who, yes, I did school. Yes. I could get like what the B plus a minus, whatever that like passing grades in that sense of the Asian mindset. Um, but not, I don't like something about the academia or like the structure of reading and writing the the more like traditional ways of doing things I could do it, but I never like came alive. But when it came to visuals, um, somehow I would put in so many hours and yes, I was so exhausted and tired, but I never felt like I was like laboring for something that was not worth it. So it was owed to myself. That was like, I've been created so uniquely. And if I take on this opportunity now, like this is for you. Um, so that's sort of like a long story of how I ended up making that decision. And I'm like eight years into this whole thing. So it's crazy to think about and talk about so, now. So let, I, before we get too far, I want to <laughs> make sure that you dropped, you dropped a lot of knowledge bar- bombs in like that <laughs> Sorry. 45 seconds span. Um, but but I, I want to make sure that listeners here don't, don't miss it because I think something that that's really missing it because because it is really easy to look today and, and I'm specifically talking to listeners that maybe are in high school or in university or, or whatever, right? Like I have no idea who the other line listening to this, right? But but like a lot of times they can look at your account or X's account or they'll look at even even if they look at Mark Zuckerberg and go, yo, that guy dropped out of college and, and he right. did and he followed his passion, right? But I think what was really important about what you did is is you were, you have a minor in law. You thought that was one of the potential routes you go. And I think most importantly, you tried it out, right? Yeah. Like, And I think that's what's missing a lot today. And, and in fact, frankly, a lot of the young people that I talk to that they tell me they want to they want to do a startup. They want to they want to be their own boss because they don't they don't like working for people. I'm like, you've worked for three people, right? Like your mom, <laughs> your dad, and your grandma. So So like, you know what? Like, Go work at London Drugs for yeah. a year. See what it's like facing, I don't know, 10,000 people who are very angry at you that you're making them wear a mask or whatever it is. Um, and and then see what you learn from that, right? Like, And I think I think that's, that's super cool what you did is because you didn't just be like, well, I'd rather be on my phone posting photos. You actually gave gave that a shot. So so I think kudos to you on that. Um Thank you. And then, and then secondly, like going back to like you, you kind of leaving college, like, was that a hard decision? And were you like all in on it from, from day one post graduation, I guess? Yeah, I guess a big pivotal moment I would say is actually my last grad year. There's a big opportunity that God had placed on my lap, like not even kidding. It was, I think February 
and I was graduating in like two months later. Um, there's an opportunity to, there was a big contest going on with the Chinese Restaurant Awards, which I now get to work with on a regular basis. Um, but that time there was a big contest that was like a whole week of campaigning, voting, like Monday to Monday. It was probably even two weeks. I, for me, it sounded like a week or a month or whatever, but I think it was two weeks. And you, the person with the most votes gets to go on a trip to Hong Kong, work with the tourism board, meet all these Michelin star chefs, go behind the scenes, see what it's like. And sort of like the trip of a lifetime for someone who loves Chinese food, represents, wants to like create content around that. And that very last hour, I'm not even kidding, was a hundred vote difference between me and the person before me. Wow. And my grad photos was that week. And I remember taking those photos and being like my face was like this whole time. I deleted <laughs> them for <laughs> it was that bad. Um, but that was like, I think a, a breaking moment of seeing my community come together and champion me on in a passion that they've seen me love. And I had friends have WhatsApp chats with their like relatives of cousins from Australia. Like I have an auntie awake at that last, that last hour of voting. She was awake in Toronto. She's three hours ahead. Okay. And she's calling friends in Hong Kong and like <laughs> her network. And honestly, that was a huge moment for me to be like, first of all, there's so many people coming, chapping me on with this. I want to do a good job of this. And to be able to get onto that trip and to, understand that that was a break like that one week or so literally was that moment I realized this is I well, this is what I want to do and it was confirmation of next steps for me right as much as yes it's only a week worth of an opportunity and there's nothing set up for the next part of the year but I just fell in love with this whole process of like let's do this you know what I mean <laughs> like getting to that mindset and then from that point on was it just a matter of like okay I got to find a way to make this work yeah. So the next few months was like, okay, what do I do with it? Obviously it was like, let's push out the content um, that I had been making on that. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously a few months of like, let's talk about this whole thing that just happened. Um, but when I decided to do this, like, let's just do this full time. I actually had no, it was so scary. Cause I was like in this weird empty space of like, okay, what next? Mm -hmm. right once all that dies down okay what next and it was like a literally two to three months where I would just maybe like take on any opportunity I have didn't know how to charge a dime or a cent to the work I was putting in and my dad the accountant of course Chinese dad with the finances in like mind was like if you don't start charging people for the work that you're doing you're gonna have to go find a nine to five so yes pressure and these things are good when they push you towards something that makes you like have actionable steps, right? I could either be fearful of like, oh my gosh, like this is the end of be all and stay in that space forever. And then like be scared and jump back into that nine to five kind of mindset or take it as a challenge. Like, okay, now I have a date by which I need to make decisions on. Therefore it pressures me in a good way to be actionable about that. So now I started to break down. These are the hours I've been putting in. Let's just say I go to a restaurant, uh, one to three hours, like minimum. I'm not even kidding. You go eat, you document, you talk to the people there, you go home, you post about it, you filter what you want to do, like go through everything, you edit everything. The time you post it, it's like midnight. I'm not even kidding. Like it's a whole day's work. And I was doing that for free. And if I want to do a job and realize my value that I bring, 
like even if I had two people go into a restaurant, it's already like makes up for whatever value they gave me, right? In in terms of food they put on my plate. But I had to realize, okay, I have a voice. Yes, I'm a marketing platform at the end of the day and start to break down logistically what do I have to offer and what is of value that I can actually pitch to people and embrace like it's okay for me to say no to certain opportunities because wait for the ones that do truly value what I can bring and then focus more attention and efforts into those and then reinvest my 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 ecosystem is like reinvest the money that I make from like brand partnerships or all those opportunities into my everyday um, organic com- like content so that I maintain my voice, I maintain my integrity, I still I'm investing money into like the day-to-day activities. I try to go into restaurants and be like, I'm an everyday person. I don't really tell them I'm going in advance. I order like one to three dishes or if I'm with friends, not right now, obviously. <laughs> um, then I, I do it in a more like natural way where you can see yourself doing the same thing that I'm doing and try to break that barrier. So there's like sort of a working ecosystem and the everyday ecosystem that makes it all work together. For sure. Do you remember the first time that you gave someone maybe like a quote for, for your services or, or whatever? What, what was that like? Um, I, I actually remember it was Robson street association. Um, what was that like? It was a very exciting moment for me, uh, in the way that like, Oh my gosh, I know Robson street. I literally walk there almost like every week, you know, like this is huge. Um, and what was scary was like, I don't know how much to charge, you know? Um, yeah, and that's what I'm getting at. Right. Because yeah. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times, like, like people when they're first starting out and, and we see that in a lot of, of passion entrepreneurs, I find yeah, because they love what they're doing. And, and a lot of them started, started like you where, where it was like, Oh, I would do this for free. Like you hear that a line a lot, but reality is like, nothing's free, right? Like even if you wish to do it for free, someone's paying for your rent and, and your lights, et cetera. Right. So, so like, I'm always really curious to see like how, how agonizing it was or wasn't for you to be like, I'm going to make up a number. So this is for people listening. This is not real, but like, let's pretend it was like a $500 contract, right? Like, are you going in super nervous that like people are going to rip it up or, or, or they're going to be like, Oh, this is so cheap. And you're like, Oh crap. I just undersold myself by $3,000. Like what, what's kind of going on through your mind? I guess try to go back in retro. Honestly, that's like, my life for the last four years of doing this full time is learning the wins and learning through the fails and what I, you know what I mean? Like as an entrepreneur, honestly, you will not know your next steps for like forever to, cause it's evolving. Each client is different. You're not going to treat a small local business the same as like a big corporation. So you're constantly adapting, stretching yourself. And rather than staying in that space of, Oh my gosh, I lost so much from what I could have been, you learn from your next opportunity, right? You have to move on. It's all up, like the entrepreneur life is learning. It's being humble enough to be like, everything is a learning experience. I don't, I don't have it all together and to be open to this. That's why I love having these conversations with people that are like, let's try this unknown space, right? Yeah. It's about creating your own place in that space, but being open to where it leads you. Therefore, it's like, okay, yeah, I mourn for those moments. I probably should have quoted more, but now I can go better and have the language to best navigate the next opportunity, right? It's always not staying in one place. It's always moving and growing regardless of whatever it looks like. 
Yeah, and I definitely feel like that's a very common theme when it comes to entrepreneurship. Like every episode that we've had, they all it's always mentioned at some point, like you're not going to be perfect, like 100% off the bat. Like you got to learn how to work through the failures and pick yourself back up and just be resilient and keep going at it. Like that's the only way you can actually develop. And I think like, you know, a lot of people outside of the industry, they just see the, the success. They don't see the work. They don't see like the hours. They don't see the like experience that went into this. And actually that kind of leads to my next question then. Um, you know, like when you were uh, building up, you know, your brand of Vancouver foodie and stuff, like what were some of the challenges, like the bigger challenges? Like, you know, obviously one of the challenges would be like finding a price, like a good um, quotation for the work that you do. But, you know, what were some of the surprising challenges that you didn't kind of expect? Like that just completely caught you off guard if there were any. Challenges in terms of difficult ones or like yeah sure let's say difficult ones <laughs> let's start with the difficult we're not ones. talking about when you had a really bad one ton or something <laughs> so unforeseen challenges of building up vancouver foodie yeah okay let's, <laughs> let's go through that one. let's go with that one. <laughs> um i think an unforeseen challenge i don't know if this actually answers the question directly but the first thing that comes to mind is um, doing this on my own. Mm-hmm. And the only other person I technically work with more on like a formal part-time basis is my YouTube editor. Um, but other than that, every single thing is like, I'm. This is, okay, this is like my room and I'm here most of the time cranking out like ideas on this laptop, working emails. I am, hi, like, let me put on the hat today. I'm the accountant. Hi, I am the manager. Hi, I'm the content creator. Hi, I'm this. Um, Because normally, you know, when you look at your, when you're in the mindset of like, I'm just doing this for the sake of a hobby, it's a different mindset. But when you transition into it, let's do this for, like, let's take this for real and do this as a more uh, structured work format, then you start to realize there's more than just let's do it. You know, so yeah. the biggest challenges is all the other elements, all the other working elements that come into making this a full time gig for me. Right. Because I could have kept it as a side hobby. Let me go pursue my nine to five. And this is what it is. But to transition into that challenge of like, oh, my goodness, I do. I wasn't trained as an entrepreneur in school. I was a sociologist. Like, <laughs> no, nothing about that really gave me practical steps. I was not in solder. I was not in like a business school of any sense. But like the I guess sociology, the one thing shout out sociology is honestly like helping me think big picture, mm-hmm. understanding that everything is not just a singular man matter. Um, so that has helped me to understand that this job comes with a lot, but I did not know what that meant when I got into it, if that makes sense. Do you find that like anyone has kind of like, when you kind of explain what you do full time, would you find that anyone kind of has these like misconceptions? They're like, oh my God, I get to eat food. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, like, what, like, I don't know. Like, how do you deal with like misconceptions about your job a lot? Like, do you just play it off and just be like, yeah, no, like it's great. Or do you kind of have to break it down for them? Yeah. They're like, no, this is a real, you know, job. Like, cause we have this idea of like what an influencer is. And I don't know, I think it's very divided on like people saying, Oh, influencing is not a real job. But like, even just from what you said, like you spend hours just to get like 
a couple content posts out right after going yeah. to a restaurant like yeah do you want to like elaborate a little more like what I guess like um your general reaction is to people asking about you know what it is to be an influencer and stuff or misconceptions yeah. that they had it's funny because you even talk about the word influencer I, I tend to not want to explain it as such but it, the reality is that only because it has a negative connotation mm-hmm. right like I'm like oh I'm an influencer that's my job it like makes me sound like oh yeah, uh, <laughs> we all cringe a bit. Um, only because we don't un- we only see the good parts, and that is literally our job is to make it look seamless and effortless, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you see at the what you see is probably five to ten percent of what goes on behind the scenes, which is every job, right? Let's talk about so many jobs out there. Like nobody sees the behind the scenes. That's what I love about. TikTok and social media and how we're moving into that place of like let's expose the in like the behind the scenes more let's show how we even made this photo let's see the uh, reality outside of the Instagram right um but a lot of misconceptions about being an influencer if we're going that route to help people understand where I'm at um is that there okay let's break down the word influencer first okay <laughs> the word influencer <laughs> is somebody who has a say or means to quote-unquote influence or push somebody in a certain direction, right? Um, And it's essentially saying somebody has a voice in that place. And as I am a food or travel influencer, I, when I talk about these things in that place, people listen to what I say, or they want to give um, kind of credibility to, it's it's saying I have credibility in a sense in that place. but I do want to break down the reality that everyone is an influencer in their own ways, in their own spaces, even if it means you have an influence in your friend group. You have an influence with the 1,000 followers you have in your peer group. We all have influence. It's just so, it just means that for me, I have a bigger arena of people I influence, <laughs> I guess is what I could expand that to. Um, but with that, I as an influencer, I would say, like, I have to understand the voice that I have. Like, I have, I have a responsibility to take into account of people are actually spending money on the things I'm telling them to go try or to go do. And I need to do my due diligence of doing a good job of that because it could backfire in one moment, right, if I do something wrong. There's a lot of pressure on my back in terms of, like, how do I do this right, right? Or... There's a lot of working things in my brain of how do I even create the best way to tell this story or to promote this restaurant, right? There's a lot of behind the scenes, mental effort, physical effort, emotional effort, everything, right? (laughs) I think it's good to actually normalize the fact that the creative space is becoming a place where money is actually being put into because back then or I guess still now the nine to five the traditional jobs that's where money's like that's where va- it's money is where it's money is put it's where valued, right? it is valued correct yeah. so we I I like to champion the creative space so much 
the fact that it's growing into a place where money is starting to be put into it, I'm like, let's do that because not everybody is made to do certain five jobs in the world. Like if we all were doctors, if we were all lawyers, like life does not, <laughs> is not as robust. Yeah. So it's just starting, it's like learning to appreciate how we've all been created differently, right? So I don't know where that went, but that's sort of... <laughs> there, there's one word you used earlier that I found really interesting and, and it was uh, integrity, right? Like you talked a lot about how when you're choosing who you want to work with, you want to make sure that you maintain your integrity. Can you kind of just expand a bit on on what that means? I guess specific to your space, but I think I think it can be relevant regardless if you're a fashion influencer or, or whatever that industry is, right? But but what does integrity have to do with how how you run, I guess, your business? Yeah. Um, integrity as the backbone uh, or core value of what I do, um, it first of all helps me understand that, like, we're I'm impacting humans. You know what I mean? Like these people, humans have feelings. <laughs> they have <laughs> thoughts. They can make up their own opinions. Um, they can be easily influenced in a way, right? Like for me to understand that what I say matters to them is huge, right? Like even if I go eat and I think one example of me understanding that the integrity that I need to have and meaning what I say is when I went out to go eat and someone comes up to me and says, Hey, uh, you're Vancouver foodie. Me and my boyfriend love your page. We literally visit it once a week to go try out something new. I think that was like a major moment for me to realize like, I just met a, a human person that follows my page <laughs> and she, I don't even realize that people are going to my page at that point, like a few years back that have happened that people literally see it as a, a place to find happiness, to look forward to something. Right. And if I ever, yes, I'm an entity and I need to make money and all that stuff. But if my, if I ever try to pivot my, my backbone to something else that's nothing with integrity, then it can fall short so easily, mm-hmm. right? I take the human part of it. I take out people's emotions, feelings out of it. And then it, if I make it all about myself, then it, it just really it will crumble within days. As, as a funny side note, I think you have no idea how many times I've just been like late night Instagram. We all do it, right? And then I roll <laughs> on one of your posts and I'm like, dang it, I'm hungry again. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like one 30 at night. I'm like, ah, oh, why you do this to me? And you're not even selling anything at that point. Cause everything's closed, right? You're just straight up hungry. Um, so, so, you know, that there's another one to add to your arsenal. Thank you. Don't post too late. <laughs> awesome. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I guess kind of like the other questions we wanted to kind of, um, go into then is like, where do you see because I think nowadays in present day like you were there from like the beginning before as you mentioned influencer was a thing before foodie was a thing so over the years like you must have seen so many changes in this industry like what were some of the more significant ones that you saw and like you know anything else that you wanted to comment about in terms of the industry like developing and maybe even go into like where do you kind of see the future of um, food blogging and travel blogging going especially with COVID being a huge, I guess, deterrence right now in the industry. 
Yeah. So, um, first of all, food is a universal language. I would say, like, <laughs> it's a daily, it's an essential daily necessity. You have like minimum two to three meals a day. Um, so, I feel like food as a medium will be carried out regardless, and food blogging or social media as the means to get people excited about it, I think, will always be there. It just takes different shapes and forms over the years. Like before, it was a blog on a website. Now it's in, it was Instagram, YouTube, now TikTok. Right? It's still there. It just looks a little different, maybe, from the other. Um, travel, obviously, no one's doing it now. But when people are allowed to travel, you don't even realize how much people are going to be googling that thing up oh, left yeah. and right, right? So <laughs> it's it's also about like what think about what people desire at the end of the day. So food and travel, I feel like as things or subjects, they will be always of interest. Um, but I would say talking about blogging or sharing your voice, like social, I'm going to talk about social media a bit more. Like it has definitely moved into the more video content, interactive, inviting the person into experience. Um, That's why I love, honestly, I love what I do because I get to get people excited about something. And I'm so grateful to be in a position where I get access to things that people don't get to. Um, But for me to be an entryway for people to see those things, that's what gets me excited, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it has, it's like the, the, how do the capacity of what it could be is like, honestly endless because technology, we've already seen what it can do within like 10 years, within two years. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And let's, uh, let's go nerdy for a second. Like, like you, <laughs> when you, you talk about when you first started, was it, was it mostly written? Like, did you start with a blog or did you start with the Instagram? So I've never had a blog on a web. I okay. do not like writing. <laughs> and that that's fascinating too, but we'll, we'll put a pin on that part. <laughs> but but um, yeah, so obviously it started with visual and imaging. And and yeah. if you go on Vancouver Foodies page now, you you have YouTube set up. You, you've been doing a ton of TikToks and reels. And, and I don't yeah. know if you do like Twitter stories or whatever. Um, okay. But like where what where did you know to react and go, okay, I got to make this change. I got to evolve. And, and probably in your sake, I got to learn. I got to relearn, right? Because, you know, you maybe you got really good at taking photos or making food look a different way. But yeah. now you're like, now I got to show my face more. Now I got to talk through things. Yeah. Now I got to do cooking recipe. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to dive into what you do, but like, obviously you had to make a lot of changes. Were those easy decisions for you to make? Or, or was like, how did you recognize that I need to be on TikTok or I need to, you know, build a YouTube presence, hire an editor, et cetera? Yeah. I think that's through experience for me to recognize that TikTok is where Instagram was when it first started. People had no idea uh, the the potential it had. But the fact that TikTok has grown so much within the short period means that it's like people need to get on it right away. We all think about like, oh, it's for the younger generation, all that stuff. It's like actually not a lot. There's a lot of people that are creating content that are not of the younger generation. They just happen to be the ones consuming the information. But the people that have a voice are little people that are older and have experience in that field, right? Um, So I think because I've been in that social media realm for the past four to eight years, four, I always say like, professionally and then four as like a hobby but eight altogether I've been able to observe how things are and therefore I can pick it up more easily 
You know what I mean? So I've like seen something similar to it. So therefore I can just translate into a, a different platform. Um, YouTube is like a totally different beast. I feel like it's like a Google search engine. It's long form content. It's so different from Instagram because it's been like, let me post a photo. Let me post um, a video under one minute, like versus ah, horizontal content. Like I think YouTube is like a scary beast for me to tackle, to be honest. Um, whereas TikTok is more like easy to transition because it is vertical format you're doing the one minute less um so yeah <laughs> so what 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 advice in moving this over what advice would you have for for brands like they could be startups or they could be yeah i don't know a fashion company like what would you recommend they do if they're trying to get into the space like like let's go with smaller companies just because i know if, yeah. like a, if you had a budget of 100 people you'd probably tackle things very differently but if you're working with like a small company or even maybe suggestions you've had to, to other restaurants you've worked with like where should they start? Um, what are some simple things that can get them on a path to to build more of a reach? 100%. So first is TikTok is the platform you should probably invest your time in just because of their way of algorithm, you know, can send it to a few random people. And then if people like it there and engage there, it'll just naturally send it out to more. It's just a more friendly or means for your content to be made known whereas i feel like instagram is more of like you should have a brand presence where people are going to see are going to search you up and see if you have an instagram page and how often is it updated is it been updated like three months ago which is seems like you're not there or if you've posted consistently every week then they know you're accessible they can dm you that's the safe space of interaction and like more closer engagement so i would say those two are the platforms like any small business or any business for that matter of fact should be getting on to in those ways Mm -hmm. and then and then along those same lines like if if someone's let's say in your space how should they tackle this this kind of beast of utilizing influencers or I think a much better way to say word it is thought leaders, frankly speaking. Nice. Because because you know, you know, you when you're talking about experts in food or experts in tech or experts in whatever, yeah. how how should companies be utilizing that to to actually build their brand alongside like let's say they've opened up a TikTok, they're doing YouTube, they're yeah. might maybe they're good writers and they started a blog, whatever. Um what? How can they also tackle influencer marketing and, and start to dabble in this realm? And, and like from, I guess you have a unique vantage point because you're on the receiving end of it. But yeah. like, how how do they, you know, use their time spent and in some case budget spend? Right. I think first of all, it's understanding the place that influencers or thought leaders have on people. It's like let's position to help someone understand or break it down a bit more. Influencers, thought leaders are almost equivalent to. Um, a friend, right? Hearsay, let's see the product being used. Whereas if you're just putting a billboard out there, here's my ad, it seems like there's such a far reach of like, you are the big product, you are the big company and here's me user. Let's hopefully like you get influenced by this far off thing. Whereas if you work with influencers or bloggers or of that sort, it's like, hey, now someone has used it. Someone I trust is using it. I've seen it work with them. I know that what they say is something I can trust. Then you are investing sort of in that kind of realm, right? But it just happens to be a person or a friend that has a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
Fair. If we're bringing it down into those simpler terms, right? Yeah. And and we we talk a lot about word of mouth, especially with with uh, early stage, early stage startups, and yeah. we're trying to get that initial traction. Um, influencer marketing can can help a bit, uh, to say the least, for sure. So kind of to to slide things over, um, what do you think of this concept? And and I, this might again be mind blowing to you. Is I know there's going to be people listening, and if not people listening, then followers that are looking at you and going. I want to be Emma in the future. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm not trying to trying to just, you know, buff your shoes. Or yeah, anything. No I, think, I think that's a reality. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend for people like that, that are looking at you as not an influencer of food, but you're, you're a trailblazer in this industry that that's going to shape their next 10 to 50 years. Yeah, for sure. Wow. <laughs> it got heavy real fast there. That's funny because just the other day, like, um, a girl, a young girl who's probably like grade nine, she's on my praise team, worship team. And she was telling me like, oh, I've planned my next steps and uh, I want to be a lawyer. And that has nothing to do with me going to law before. But she's like, I want to be a lawyer. But I've always considered like, what is it like to be Vancouver foodie? <laughs> it was like this cute like moment of, oh my goodness, these, you know, I could be in a position of someone that they look up to. Um, and back then I wish I had someone like that to look up to, but I didn't have somebody. But to be in a position to be, that somebody for someone is crazy, but a privilege. Some words of advice for people that want to be in my position. I like to start off with the basics of embracing who you are as a unique human being, because we all are combinations of so many different experiences and, you know, nature, nurture, that kind of thing. And it's, there's no one else in the world that is you, right? Which is mind blowing at the same time. Um, but to embrace who you are as a person allows you to go into any, cause social media, I'm just saying social media is the means, right? It's the vehicle to make your voice known. So you have to know what your voice is to begin with, because people are naturally drawn to things that are sure that are concrete. And if you're not really sure of yourself, and actually it's funny because Obviously, you don't have to have it all together. I'm not asking you to, your life is perfect and you know what you want in life, but it's to understand who you are as a person. That's the most basic part of it. Um, And then for me, it's a second piece of advice is not to let fear stop you from doing the next step, right? Because as entrepreneurs or as someone who um, is constantly creating and pumping out things, you just have to be like, showing up consistently rather than staying stagnant where you are and it's okay to fail it's okay to have good days and bad days but it's just a natural part of it right we put up so many expectations for ourselves and it's funny because when I think about it I could say like my Asian parents sure they have expectations but I actually don't think that their expectations are as intense of the expectations that I have for myself right? Um, So it's being realistic of whose expectations am I really giving value to and voice in my life and being mindful of where those are coming from and making sure like those things do not necessarily inhibit you from being your best self and showing up for others in that way. Amazing. That was a lot better than my answer of uh, you should get a TikTok account. (laughs) 
scale on TikTok is the new hype. Just get a TikTok and scale up. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the easy one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more in depth. And I guess kind of like um, tracking back a bit to, you know, um, being yourself and having kind of people drawn to you kind of actually leads to our last question then that we have here. So are there any people that you look up to that kind of bring out their authenticity that you feel drawn to? And I guess to be more elaborate, if you could choose three of those people, who would you have? And um, with the intention of creating your ultimate dream team. So it could be kind of like, you know, celebrities, it can be um, deaf historians, it can be completely imaginary people. Um, let's say had people suggest cartoons. Yeah, cartoon characters are great. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> what do you think those top three people would be for you? Um, it's funny because I was like, dream team. Would that be like dream team of who I get to work with? Or like, <laughs> in general? Everything's uh, up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, first one, obviously, Jesus Christ. Uh, the only reason why I am in the unique position that I am is, honestly, I'm an everyday type of girl. And I'm thinking about it i'm just like i'm a canadian chinese girl who loves food and ends up just so happens that i have people listening to me but i'm just an everyday ordinary girl at the end of the day but jesus allows me to be in a position where he makes himself known like i get to be in relationship with the creator of the universe who loves us and sees us and for me to kind of help others see that in themselves is honestly the end of the end goal of what I get to do is empower people to find joy in the little things to help them look forward to the daily life, little moments. Right. And to know that there's extraordinary means to do this ordinary life that it looks ordinary, but it can be extraordinary is what I'm trying to say. Um, so dream teams have Jesus on my team. He already is on my team in many ways. Uh, but like, um, he makes me dream things that I never thought is possible for me. Mm-hmm. And second of all, another person is Guy Fieri literally grew up uh, midnight. Okay. Now you watch my page midnight. <laughs> he is who I watched at midnight as a child. Okay. Guy Fieri is like dr- diners, drive-ins and dives is my, my love ultimate dream gig. If I ever were to have one, because he's literally eating food. He talks about it. He's exciting. He's energetic. He looks hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think he allowed me to imagine myself. So for him to be on my team and be a mentor, that would be amazing. Um, third, lastly, I was like, oh, if I were to like have a production team, the Netflix Chef's Table filmmakers would be wonderful. Oh, yes. It would make my looks, my life look super epic and do things that I know I can't do for myself. So that was like <laughs> a random last one, but yeah. Any anyone, just give me one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think those three would be my dream team from what I could imagine now. Awesome. Appreciate, appreciate the answer. So we're just about wrapping up this episode now, but before we let you go, we've had an amazing conversation today. Um, just wanted to, to let you uh, plug yourself. If people don't follow you for some reason, where can they find you on all your platforms? So if you don't follow me yet on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, Facebook-ish, and I'm on Twitter, but I'm not really on Twitter, you can find me uh, via Vancouver foodie, no underscore, no period, no ones, just Vancouver foodie. I E right. I E foodie with an I E foodie with an I E. So, so there you have it. Gene, you want to wrap us up? 
Yeah. So thanks so much, Emma, for taking the time. And honestly, like after getting to hear a little bit more and learning more in depth, like I'm not going to lie, I'm like really jealous. I'm a huge foodie at heart too, so I know. So it's amazing what you get to do. <laughs> we, we find that whenever we have guests on here, Jean just wants to do their job. She just wants to work with them after. <laughs> She, she never ends the episode with like, wow, it's really nice working with Sam and me and Ray. I just wanted to hear it <laughs> Just take me with you. I'll be nah, it's, it's fine. We have a lot of fun here too. Yeah. No, I definitely. It looks like she has like a gamer setup. So I feel oh. like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> definitely do. Awesome. Thanks well, for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Emma. And so for those that, um, are listening to this episode, make sure to check out Vancouver Foodie on her social platforms and hopefully we'll see you guys all on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.